The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. When I get to stand in front of you, part of that probably is because you are also encouraging and loving to me. Uh, Just to get us all ready, I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll dive into the Word of God together. But Father, in these uncertain times, you remain certain. God, when the future for us uh, seems maybe more like a solid wall than an open door, we look to you, knowing that you, creator of heaven and earth and everything in them, aren't surprised by what's happening even now you're present with us, each of us, wherever we're watching this, um, sitting with our cell phones or looking at a computer, or wherever we are, you're with us. And I pray that, that wherever this church, your people gathers right now, we'll feel your presence, we'll be led by your spirit, and we won't just hear truth, we'll learn it, and we'll put it into action. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Refuge Church, one thing I want to say just as we start is that there is no single storyline for this pandemic. Some people are at home throughout the week trying to figure out what to do with extra free time, and some people are still working. There are those of us who feel scared because our health seems vulnerable at this time. And there are those of us that feel invincible all the more. We feel healthy, we feel good. Um, With all those different storylines, there is something, there's a common thread, I think, that that binds us together, and that is that that we're all shut in. (laughs) All of us are forced to to be in this thing uh, with one another, whether we like it or not. And because of that, it reveals what's in our hearts. It reveals our vulnerabilities, it reveals our weaknesses, it reveals our thoughts. Um, There was an article I read this week that helped to reveal my thoughts, and I want to read some of that for you. March 22nd in the New York Times, uh, or yeah, the New York Times newspaper, there was an op-ed piece, and it simply had the, the title, Where is God in the Pandemic? And you can imagine that grabbed my attention. And it was a Jesuit priest who himself had gone through cancer and, and through his time with cancer had gone to appointment after appointment. And when he went to these appointments, he said it always felt like he was approaching one final appointment and that appointment being death. And reflecting on that and then the pandemic now, this is what he wrote. In just the past few weeks, millions have searched Uh, Millions have started to fear that they are moving in their appointment with terrifying speed thanks to the COVID-19 pandemic. The sheer horror of this fast-moving infection is coupled with the almost physical shock from its sudden onset. As a priest, I've heard an avalanche of feelings in in the last month. Panic, fear, anger, sadness, confusion, and despair. More and more, I feel like I'm living in a horror movie but the kind that I instinctively turn off because it's too disturbing. And even the most religious people ask me, why is this happening? And where is God in all of this? 
And I, I suspect that that meets a lot of us where we're at. We feel like we're in this horrifying moment that we just wish we could turn off. And, and I want to start with that because I think it's important to acknowledge that, that we're not all making it through this okay. Even if you're watching, you might find yourself feeling very far from God, or you might feel yourself experiencing doubts that you've never experienced before. And if that is you, um, maybe you're tuning in and you've never believed in God. You just happened to switch to this channel and you wanted to, to keep watching. Um, we read the story and it's simply this. Getting caught in the storm isn't an act of disobedience. Uh, if we're caught in the storm, we're caught in the storm with Jesus doesn't mean we've done something wrong necessarily. Uh, the second is that the this, this storm bringing fear with it reveals our foundations. And the third is simply this. Jesus uses these fearful, these fear-filled moments um, to call us, to call his disciples back to the main thing. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Mark. We're just simply going to read Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. It says this, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear. They were filled with greater fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So we're just going to kind of take the story from the top and we're going to work our way through it. And, and the, the start of this story calls us back to what happened right before this. It says, on that day, another translation simply says, on the very same day. Well, that day, the day that they entered into the boat, Jesus had been preaching all day long. It had been a long day for him, of, of people flocking to him, thousands and thousands of people coming, and, and he gave the best of himself to these people. Eternal truth is what he spoke, and he spoke it to these people. He spoke specifically on the topic of faith. He preached how faith will stand the test of time. How faith isn't meant to be something that's hidden, but it's meant to be set up and shine for the whole world to see. And he talked about faith no matter the size. Even the smallest faith, faith as small as a mustard seed, can do big things. It doesn't require bravado. It doesn't require this extraordinary confidence Faith doesn't matter how big it is. It matters what it's in. Faith is very simply a confidence in God. And that's what Jesus had preached all day to these people. And his disciples were right there with him. And now he calls them to himself. And they get an opportunity to show if they've not just listened, but they've learned what he's saying. It puts the, the story of the storm in a in a very different context. Instead of them just getting into this boat, they're getting into a boat being 
tested, I think, in some way, have they learned what Jesus is saying, or have they just listened? And I think many of us find ourselves in that place in our lives. We, we read a lot, we read books, we read magazines, we read newspapers, we read the, the Bible. And yet, are we just taking in information, or do we know what to do with it? And I think this story shows that, that the disciples had not yet learned what to do with the words of Jesus. So, uh, point number one, if you're following along, is obeying into the storm. Obeying into the storm. Uh, the, the simple, the first part of this story goes like this. It says, evening has come. Now, evening is the part of the day where it seems like the shadows tend to dance on the walls. Maybe not just the walls of our rooms, but the walls of our mind. Evening is a scary time, and, and it shows where we're most vulnerable. And that is the time that they choose to get in the boat, that Jesus chooses to call them into the boat. Jesus could have cut off his teaching a little earlier so that they would have had more daylight, but instead he calls them into the boat when it starts to get dark out. When it starts to get dark out. <laughs> I think of where we are in this moment, and, and some of us might be experiencing a, a specific darkness in our minds, and that is not when Jesus leaves us, but indeed he maybe just calls us further in. Jesus makes the plan. Um, you see Jesus being the one to say, Let, let's go across to the other side together. And in another passage, he says, follow me. <laughs> and and they, like they have done from the beginning, they follow him into the boat. And so, so notice this, that them getting to the boat is an act of obedience to Jesus. It isn't them going, hey, Jesus, we're still going to make our own plans. It's them following Jesus's plans. And, and an often um, missed part of this story in verse 36, is it says, And other boats were there with him. And so they aren't alone in this. There's actually this, this fleet of boats that are going out in the water together. But, but like we'll see, is fear exposes many things. Fear oftentimes narrows our vision and makes us feel alone. Um, after this moment where it says boats are with them, all of a sudden it feels like, they're the only boat in the ocean. Maybe that's how you feel, feel in isolation. What do we learn from them following Jesus in obedience into the storm? Uh, we learn first this, that having Jesus in the boat does not exempt them from the storm. Having Jesus in the boat does not exempt them from the storm. I think hidden in the question that we often ask, why do you bad things happen to good people, is the idea that if people follow Jesus, or if people are good, they'll be exempt from bad things happening. And that is not what we find here. Actually, on the contrary, it was their acts of obedience that brought them into fearful confrontation with themselves. It was obedience to Jesus that brought them to this moment. Now, that can be hard to swallow, uh, depending on what you're experiencing, maybe the loss of a job, or dwindling reserves in your savings. Um, I don't think it's immediately comforting to know that maybe it's your obedience to Jesus um, that maybe hasn't brought you to that point, but, um, but it is in obedience to Jesus that you've 
come to this point and, and are being confronted with, with some of your own vulnerabilities as Jesus is doing with his own disciples here. The second thing is Jesus does not say how the trip will go, but he does promise that they will get to the destination. Uh, we read here in verse 36 again, uh, I'm sorry, verse 35, where he says, let us go across to the other side. Jesus doesn't say how that trip will progress, but he does promise the other side. Now, I think oftentimes uh, when we hear God's promises, his promise of, a, of eternal life, or as we have been following together the <laughs> the people of Israel in the book of Joshua finally getting to the promised land, we kind of we want it to be easier for them along the way. And and yet that's not what's promised. What's promised is their destination. Now, some of those big narratives might be hard for us to grasp, but let me just bring it down to uh, maybe a smaller level. And and that is think of physical therapy. Now, as a long distance runner, I've had a lot of bouts with injuries. Uh, Injuries that are becoming chronic, and so you go to the doctor with an ache or a pain, and they send you to a physical therapist to start working certain muscles to be stronger. And Now, I go to the physical therapist because I want it to be gone, and I hate the process. Um, <laughs> I have had back issues, I've had shoulder issues, I've had leg issues, all that I know how to deal with, but I don't. And the reason why I don't is because I hate the process. Are you with me? Uh, <laughs> so many of us, we just want to get to the place where there is no pain. Um, and yet the, the work to get there, the faith that it takes to get through that pain and get through that storm, we just don't want to do. Um, so I think we can learn a lot from this. Um, the promise of the destination uh, we don't necessarily know exactly what that process will be. And I speak that to me and you all who probably find ourselves right now in, in a somewhat painful process. So going to the next part of the story, uh, we find the disciples, some who are seasoned fishermen. We have four seasoned fishermen on this boat, but all of them who are completely given over to fear. Um, this is how the story proceeds in point two, which is fear that destroys faith. Our setting is simply this, a great storm comes upon the boat, and sometimes you can see the storm approaching. I think back to um, about 10 years ago when there was the market collapse, and, and people could see this great storm approaching. Um, oftentimes when there's a hurricane and, and we're told to get out, or uh, we can see storms approaching, even with this pandemic. We could see it progressing, but it's so hard to take storms seriously, isn't it? I think, again, we always want to see ourselves as exempt, like it won't touch us. Um, and yet no one is exempt. Um, we won't necessarily get through this without being touched by it. And you see that as it goes on. And it says, uh, this is very descriptive, it says the boat begins to fill with water. Now, I imagine when the boat started filling with water, there was just a little bit. And it just kind of moistened their feet a little bit. And I know that's two words that people hate, feet and moist. So that's just for all of you. Uh, but, you know, it started getting their feet a little wet. And yet the water kept coming up. Things keep adding up. Things keep adding up. Does that sound familiar? Um, I think 
in, in my life, people have pointed out a, a lot of the things that have happened in the last year, and they're like, these are all the things that make people break. And, and I think we find that here. Maybe it was just that there was some stress in a relationship. Um, maybe in your marriage, things are tough. And, and that's one thing. But then the friend that you've been leaning on to talk to about it, they start pulling back because they don't want to hear about your troubles anymore. And that might be enough, but then then all of a sudden things aren't going well at work and then you get let go from work. And you see how the water in our lives starts to rise? It seems like it's one thing and then it's another thing and then it's another thing and then it starts piling up. And, and it wasn't anything that would cause fear, but all of a sudden we feel completely submerged and we don't know what to do. Does that sound familiar? Well, in that setting, where do we find Jesus? We find Jesus asleep. Jesus is asleep when we are getting submerged. Now, this might be a hard story to believe. How could Jesus sleep through a storm? But if you've ever been through plane turbulence, you know that this is totally possible. I think of the first time I, I had plane turbulence. I was in college and I was taking a flight with um, a, a, a team that I was on and and we had terrible turbulence. There was this moment where the plane was shaking and then it started diving towards the earth with that whole, you know, and I remember being terrified. And I remember looking around and there's some people also panicking too, but I remember people who were sleeping on the plane. And I thought, how is that possible? Well, it was possible because they knew they didn't have anything to fear. And that's Jesus in this moment. Jesus is sleeping. But what that causes in the disciples is a feeling, not just of annoyance, not just of anger. I believe the disciples feel betrayed. They've been invited on this journey. Jesus said, if you follow me, then we're going to get on the boat and we're going to get to the other side. And yet they find themselves betrayed because it just seems like he doesn't care. It seems like Jesus doesn't care which makes them feel alone. It makes them feel forgotten. It makes them feel not considered. And, and I think some of those emotions might, might be what we can feel. If we're panicking, if we're feeling submerged, and we, we look at Jesus and it doesn't seem like he's doing anything, I think in that moment we feel, God, have you just completely forgotten me? Well, this is the lesson we learned from this part. One is that fear exposes the foundation of our faith. Fear exposes the foundation of our faith. Now, I think the disciples, after a long day of listening to Jesus speak, if you've ever gone to a conference or something, you just get all revved up by the end of it. Watch an inspiring movie, and you feel invincible at the end of that. And I really think that's probably how the disciples felt. They got on that boat feeling so confident. And yet something happens between them stepping onto that boat in the middle of the storm that all the faith that they thought they had has been destroyed. It's been picked apart. They felt invincible, but they've been proven otherwise. That they're fearful. 
Now, the second thing I think we learn is just how faith or fear has a way of narrowing our focus. Now, we saw all these boats with them, and now there's no more boats. We saw it being just a little water in the boat. Now there's, there's more and more water in the boat. And we begin jumping to assumptions, and we begin losing context. Now, as we begin losing context, I think... In that moment, as we begin to feel more and more alone, we begin feeling like there is no answer. That moment is so unique that there is no answer. And so in that moment, frustrated at Jesus, they wake him up. And this is when we move to what is God doing? What is Jesus doing in this storm? And what Jesus does is he, he simply returns them or reminds them of, of the main thing. And he does that by claiming absolute authority. This is what happens. Jesus wakes up. He wakes up and he doesn't delay. <laughs> this Jesus who they thought he completely forgot about them, he wakes up and in a moment looks around and he says, Peace. Be still. Hush. Now, now, how little they must have felt in that moment. Not, not because Jesus made them feel little, but just to see him rise, this God who they knew was always there and always in charge, and creator of the heavens and the earth. And they knew his power, and yet they'd forgotten about it in the storm. They'd been so afraid, and everything just narrowed in. And all they could see was their problems and their pain and their anxiety. Jesus wakes up and he rebukes the wind and the sea. And then he turns and he, he confronts the disciples. And I think there's a tone we oftentimes read into that. Jesus confronts his disciples and I think he's confronting them in tenderness. He rebukes the wind and he rebukes the sea, but he doesn't rebuke his disciples. And, and we'll look at that. But his disciples then in response, it says they have a a great fear, and I think the way to read that is they have a, a greater fear now. A fear no longer of the, the wind and the sea, but a fear of the one who, who made it all. Now, the lessons we learn from this is, one, that Jesus deals gently with doubting. Now, when we feel cowardly or afraid, and then we find out that there was nothing to fear, I think it can make us feel... Like, we just need to go away. And yet, after Jesus has rebuked the waves, he doesn't rebuke the disciples. If you're feeling doubt, if you're feeling anxiety, come to Jesus. He's not going to rebuke you. He wants you to come. He, he wants to stand over your life and say, Peace, hush, be still. Um, he does tell them that they have little faith. And I think this is very interesting. A little faith. Because he just said, he just said in the preceding verses that you didn't need anything more than little faith. So what is he saying to them here? I think he's saying what you have is enough. It's just your confidence, your little faith was in yourself. Your little faith wasn't in me. See, our little faith seems like nothing when we put our little faith in ourselves. But if we put our little faith in a, a God who created the heavens and the earth and everything in them, that little faith multiplies. 
And, and it's not about our faith, but it's about him and, and who we put our confidence in. And that's the second lesson we learned, that God is still in control when we feel out of control. God is still in control even when we feel out of control. How needed that word is. It says they were filled with greater fear. They were filled with great fear and said to one another, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now I think we assume something is not true often unless it benefits us immediately. I don't think they thought necessarily that Jesus was worth anything while he was sleeping in the boat. That God is worth anything unless he's responding immediately when the waters start rising. How can God be real if, and there's a ton of blanks you can feel in the, fill in there, how can God be real if we experience a miscarriage? Or how can God be anything but sleep or non-existent if there's a cancer diagnosis or my marriage is on the rocks or you know, fill in the blank. How can God be real if he just seems to be sleeping in the boat? Now, I read a very um, helpful sentence uh, as I was preparing for this, and it simply says this. Sometimes God saves us from trouble. Sometimes he saves us in trouble. Sometimes he saves us from death, and sometimes he uses our death to glorify his name. Now, I realize that that answer sometimes especially in moments where the water is rising or a loved one passes away, doesn't seem like an answer at all. Well, this is what brings us to our big question. <laughs> what good is it to have Jesus in the boat if he's sleeping through the storm? And the answer, I think the only answer I can give is this, that Jesus shows us the way of faith through our fear. What he said is true. What he said about faith before they entered that boat was true. What he said about the destination being certain for those that follow him is true. Although we don't know exactly what that journey will, looks like, will look like. Now, what I want to ask you to do uh, at the end of this time is to do something that isn't easy, and that is to simply ask yourself, what is the storm you're facing? Um, the storm that you're facing as a follower of Jesus, as following him. Is it sickness? Is it economic challenges? Is the bank account growing empty? Or is it family? Or, or what is it? Is it just in your heart? Is it stress or depression that you're facing? What is that storm and where is Jesus in it? God has not promised that our journey will be without storms. Our boat will take on water. And I imagine that some of you feel like you're taking on water now, but he has promised where the journey will end for those that choose to follow him. For those that follow him, have been invited into this boat with Jesus, I want to invite you, I don't know what it will look like and how he will respond, but I know that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and I invite you to cry out to him, 
to Jesus and, and cry out in your anxiety, cry out in your stress, cry out in all the things you're feeling. I think by the time the disciples cried out, they just it just happened. They probably didn't want to wake up Jesus, and yet when they finally did, it was at their end. Now I want to encourage you to make that your beginning, to cry out to Jesus and just see what he, he will do for you. Because Jesus, being the Prince of Peace, in the midst of the storm, that storm that might end with that final appointment, I don't know. But in that, the one who has invited you to follow him and will see you through, not just for now, but for all eternity, he will speak over you, hush, be still. Pray with me. Father, we... often find in these moments that prayer is not easier, but it's harder. When there is no stress we anticipate in the day, sometimes it's easy just to sit there with our cup of coffee and let you know how we're feeling. But when we start feeling stressed or alone or afraid, I think we begin to get afraid of talking to you. And... God, help us by your Spirit to, to cry out to you. God, I, I pray um, for the church, for those watching. God, I pray that they will find you to be the comfort that you are. The comfort that that isn't because life is always easy, but the, the comfort that confronts us with our greater fear, a good fear, a fear that shows that, that while we are out of control, you are not. You are sovereign over all things, and that this moment is but a drop in the ocean to the eternal moment that you are preparing for us. God, give us courage to believe we have little faith. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.